Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the BJJ Foxcast. I am your host, Alex Martinez, and today I'm super excited to have Amber. Amber, Amber, is your last name Leonard? Um, it's actually Dupuy, um, but my maiden name is Learned. Learned. Uh, learned. Learned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Amber Learned. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and, and you know what? I was I was looking at your your um, Instagram page. Great stuff, by the way. Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff, really good. Um, and I was like, I don't know that I've ever said her last name. We've known each other almost 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. But thank yeah. you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so let's get, let's get right into it. You just got your black belt. Yes. And, you know, we've known each other for a while, but, you know, it, it's been kind of, I hate to call it peripheral, but we've never had like a deep conversation, you and I. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, we had stuff on the mat, you know, mat chat, stuff like yeah. that. But um, you shared your story during your uh, black belt speech, everybody gives it gets to have their own little talk. Yeah, and it really it really touched a lot of people. Um, I mean, including me. Um, and I thought, wow, we got to talk about this. Yeah. So I'm really glad that you uh, agreed to do this. Um, by the way, I don't know if you know Colin Opper. He's a brown belt at my school, kind of a bigger guy. Maybe. Well, Colin had a coughing fit right in the middle of your speech. Oh, he's the one who messaged me and said, he said he tried to hold it off until yes. you did your speech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a really good guy, and he and he was really moved by what you said also, but he felt so bad he could not Oh, stop I didn't coughing. even hear it. Nobody noticed. I was so nervous. Yeah. I was just ringing in my ears and yeah. trying to get it out. Yeah, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you to get your black belt? I mean, let me, let me preface by saying this. You're the first female black belt under Paul Nava and he has 30 plus black belts. Yes. What does that mean to you? Um, so being Paul's first was a goal that I wanted to have. Um, but when I thought about the goal, I was a blue belt and I had a lot of women in front of me mm -hmm. and I just, um, Paul and his wife, Leslie helped me a lot. Yeah. You know, um, I went through some rough times and jujitsu kind of held me together mm -hmm. and you know, when when you have people who um you know aren't necessarily into material things how do you how do you give somebody a thank you to yeah. show them how much they mean to you um and how grateful you are and i thought well i should become paul's first black belt female yeah and it just seemed so far-fetched and then slowly the years went and it became more and more of a possibility yeah and then um suddenly i was doing it you know and not only that but um you know it was a promise to myself that I would make it. And I thought I would be 50 when I got my black belt, you know, and yeah. I was 40. I turned 40 this, well, now this past year I turned 40. No so, kidding. Yeah. And I got it, you know, by the time I turned 40. That's awesome. And that was huge to me. But, um, you know, I, I raised my kid myself. I started my own business. You know, I've been self-employed as a tattoo artist for 15 years. And yeah. I had so many things going against me. So having something that I could hold on to, like a black belt, um, personally, was this achievement that made me, you know, past me, um, have reassurance that everything I went through was worth it. And then I was able to show Paul that I was grateful that he never stopped believing in me. Yeah. You know? And you never, and, and in turn, kind of, it, it, it's really big for Paul because, um, you know, you never stopped believing in yourself. So that made him believe in you even more. You know what yeah. I mean? You, you came, you overcame a lot of adversity. Yeah. Um, just to, I mean, just to stay number one employed, yeah. right? Yeah. Number two, raise your kid. Yeah. And number three, do jujitsu. How, how, how many times a week do you do jujitsu? Um, well, <laughs> right now I'm a 10 a.m. coach yep. and I'm a women's coach. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
Ugh, it depends. Uh, I would say at least five times a week. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't just teach. I also do the whole class with mm. everybody um, mm. because it's the only workout I get, and I'm obsessed with working out, which is why I started jujitsu. But yeah. um, so I'm training at least five times a week. Um, sometimes it's, you know, more like seven, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Depending yeah. on how I'm feeling that week. So. I know the feeling. Yeah. The feel- now, you know, you being 40, you're like a youngin to me. Like you're a young <laughs> kid because I'm 50. And honestly, like I've had to focus more on recovery and sleep and stuff yes. like that because in my 40s, I started jujitsu at 40. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So um, it's it's a beating. Yeah. You know? And, and, and I, I just love it. I can't yeah. think of not doing it. I can't imagine not doing it. So, yeah. Yeah, Same. that's cool. So let's go back a little bit. <clears throat> Actually, let's go back a lot. Okay. Because uh, when you and I first met, I think we were maybe I was a blue belt and you were a white belt. Yes. We were both white belts. I can't remember, but I, I remember. So. I remember you came into the academy, and uh, gosh, you were a maybe a three stripe white belt. I think I was, yeah. And you moved here from Kansas, I believe, Nebraska, Nebraska, it's Central thing. America, yeah. wherever the hell that Who cares is. Cares where that is. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about Nebraska. What 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 prompted the move? What was going on there? Um. Well. I lived in Arizona in my early 20s. I came out here to go to graphic design school, um, and I dropped out with six months left because tattooing kind of found me. Yeah. Um, and I was like, man, this seems way more what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and it took me a while to get into tattooing, but um, I ended up getting married briefly, and I had my son, and I just I needed to be around my family to raise him, yeah. so I moved back to Nebraska thinking that I would only be there for a little bit. And then I got, I was there for seven years and it was great to be around my family. My entire family lived there. Um, But man, it's so cold there and you never (laughs) see the sun. And once you live in Arizona where it's like warm and sunny, it's really hard to go back to, you know, tornadoes and freezing temperatures and just, you know, I'm an outdoors person and also Nebraska has no mountains. So it's not like you get to play in this. I mean, and it barely snows, you know, it's mostly just bitter cold. Yeah, so, just enough to chill you to the bone. Yeah, and, you know, I'm so that's why I wanted to move back was I honestly I just wanted to be warm. Yeah, so. yeah. That, no, um, you know, when I when I was moving out here, I moved out here from, from Virginia Beach. And before I moved out here, I had a buddy that um, his wife was a Marine Corps officer or something like that. And they were stationed in Yuma. And he says, he says to me, you know, when the temperature drops below 70, you're going to want a long sleeve shirt. And I was like, no way. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me. Yeah. Yep, it's like yep. 65 degrees outside uh-huh. or yeah, something. I have yeah. a hoodie on. I know. So, I got my yeah. winter coat to come yeah. over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. So let's talk about tattooing. How did you find tattooing? Um, I was going to graphic design school um, here in Arizona and, um, Man, I was in like the HTML class learning mm. how to build websites. It was so boring. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is it. I wanted to do something with art. I've always been an artist, you know. Um, I kind of messed up when I was 18 and 19 and fell into drugs. And after that, I was like, all right, I need to find something I love to do. And mm. I pursued, you know, trying to teach art. I didn't like that. I tried graphic design. And because I was going to college, I figured I'll just keep doing it, you know, and yeah. find a career. Yeah. And then I had a friend, um, he was a, a neighbor here in Arizona and he shows up one day and he had bought me a tattoo starter kit. And, no way. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, cause I was painting a lot and yeah. he thought I was a really talented artist. And he said, I think you're wasting your time 
with graphic design, I think you should tattoo. And I'd never even like, I don't even know how you start tattooing. Wow. So I went with my friend to get a tattoo and I made her ask them because I was so <laughs> nervous. Like, how do you start tattooing? And they ended up apprenticing me. And it was, it was 2003 and it was a really toxic environment for women. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I ended up quitting after a year of apprenticeship. Um, I, I hated the way I was treated. Yeah. You know, I don't like to be looked down on as a female or yeah. less than. So I quit. But um, after I had my son, I just thought I have to try to pursue it again because if I want him to believe in anything that he can do, I have to show him I can do it too. I yeah. don't want to tell him like, oh, I had this cool dream and I gave up on it. Yeah. So I went back to tattooing because of my son and, you know, it just, I found a really good shop in Nebraska and man, it was like I hit the ground running. It was, it was so great, you know, and then halfway through it, I moved back to Arizona and started my career all over all again, over again. Yeah. which was really hard to do. But now what was it like, um, the atmosphere in Nebraska, like you said, it's like, uh, mostly men and, and it's, I want to say, I don't want to say anti-women, but mm -hmm. it's like male dominant profoundly right i mean in the tattoo industry yeah, yeah yeah now would you say that it was the same the same atmosphere in arizona or is that a little bit different yes um well so when i started um so i'll say like 2007 is when i went back into it um it was primarily uh male dominant um i would go to tattoo conventions and i would be sitting at a booth and they would come up and say it when is the artist coming back and i'm like oh i'm the artist so i'd make yeah. a huge banner with my picture on it yeah um, i remember the banner it's yeah, cool. yeah i still have it yeah. yeah um and then uh when i came out here you know it was 2014 and um it was very much the same but there was a lot more women getting into it like young women mm -hmm. but um man it, it sometimes it's still a toxic environment for women sure. to get into you yeah. know yeah. um they think that they have to do anything and everything to get an apprenticeship you know yeah. um but luckily through social media women are learning that oh they, i don't have to be treated this way yeah. you know and so there's a lot of women that are, you know, kind of going off on their own, mm. you know, and learning how to tattoo um, from other women, you know, and it's really growing. Mm. Um, so, you know, hopefully it'll continue doing that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, one of the parallels that I saw in your, um, your tattoo career and your jujitsu career are, you know, yeah, you had to go to a shop and, and apprentice, right. And then you got to get a thumbs up from I'm assuming another tattoo artist, right? That you, that allows you to, or the owner of the shop that, that allows you to start tattooing. Very similar, very similar to jujitsu, right? You yes. start kind of a, apprenticing as like maybe an assistant coach or the, you know, the, the, the person that always shows up and helps the instructor kind of, you know, show the move and stuff. And then one day they're like, Hey, we need a women's coach. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> very similar. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it takes a few years before you're allowed to start tattooing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's that process like for tattooing? Mm -hmm. Um, well, it's different in every state. In Nebraska, you have to, um, man, they do a criminal background check, yeah. which, you know, I had to be, because I had misdemeanors from when I was 19, I had to be reviewed by a board of cosmetology people. Mm. Um, and I wrote this letter, you know, and I made everybody cry there, I guess, because they were so touched by my journey. <laughs> um, but uh, And we can touch on that. I would love to go in it, or not, yeah, whatever I'm, you decide. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm totally down. I have <clears throat> cool. no, you know, I'm, I'm proud of where I've come from, you know, and yeah. I have no mind. I don't mind sharing any of my past because, you know, everything I've gone through is going to give somebody hope at some yeah. point who's in that position. I agree. I agree. So, um, 
But in Nebraska, you have to be licensed in the county and the state. So you had to have two separate licenses. You had to be passed by the health board. Um, so you had to do all this stuff. Um, you had to prove that you like apprenticed in a shop for so many hours. Mm. Um, and then every year you have to renew it. Um, so it's very different um, in Nebraska. In Arizona, they just say like, oh, you're good. You can start now. Like there's really no laws out here, which is scary. It's the Wild West, man. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that I learned a lot about bloodborne pathogens and, and uh, safety and health concerns in Nebraska because yeah. out here it's kind of, you know, it is the Wild West. I mean, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't understand any of that stuff. And so, um, but the reputable shops, um, you know, they'll make you apprentice for about two years, mm -hmm. um, you know, cleaning and learning and, you know, they'll let you tattoo while you do that. Um, it's very different out here. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I'd say overall about two years of an apprenticeship and, you know, you you get to start tattooing at that point. But the main thing is building your clientele and your connections with your clients. It's the hardest part. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that there's a lot of like, you know, you're the person cleaning up and all that is, other, yeah. you know, working for the tattoo artist, maybe doing their scheduling or whatever. And I'm, is there a lot of politics that goes into that? Like, you know, if oh, they yeah. like you, you apprentice faster than if they don't. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, I have seen out here that women do kind of move a little bit faster, yeah. you know, um, yeah. And I've, I've honestly seen, you know, um, you know, prettier women go faster, you know, but man, it's hard to, to be talent, you know, yeah. um, there's those, those people that come <clears throat> in and they're just so incredibly talented. It's like, man, we got to get them out here tattooing, yeah. you know, sooner. Let's yeah. push them to do bigger pieces. You yeah. know, I personally, um, I don't want to apprentice anybody. Maybe someday I will, but, um, it's such a big, heavy task to, yeah there's so much more involved in it that, you know, to me, it's like, I don't know if I have time to devote to somebody else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, 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 I mean, you're an independent tattoo artist, right? You're own, you're basically your own business. Yes. So I think it'd be easier if you were just like a tattoo artist in, in a shop that's run by someone else, yeah. right? They, they do all the business crap. They do all the stuff. They do all the scheduling, all that shit. And then you can just focus on your tattoos, your schedule and your apprentice, right? Yeah. Yeah. That would be amazing. But currently I'm doing <laughs> everything work, yeah, myself. Yeah. So. yeah. So where's your shop? Where, where are you working? Um, I'm in, uh, should I give an address? Yeah. Whatever you like. Yeah. Um, How, uh, we're, well, we want people addresses. to find you. Um, yeah. Okay. So um, I own my own studio in Mesa, Arizona. Um, it's a private studio by appointment only. So nice. I don't, advertise where I'm at. Okay. Um, but you know, people can reach me on Instagram and Amber star tattoo. Perfect. Um, and, uh, I have a business line, um, that, you know, people I I'm every year I'm trying to change and make it easier. Um, because now I'm, I'm booked three to four months out. And so I had to change my scheduling completely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have a private studio and it was just an accident. I went there with a bunch of other artists and we all decided collectively, um, and it was kind of after COVID when, you know, I was in a shop that was letting anybody and everybody in and I had clients that were too scared to go in there. Yeah, and so I was yeah. like, well, I'll go to a quieter shop. Yeah. And then with that shop, we were renting this huge space that was like way too expensive. Yeah. So, um, the owner of that place was like, let's go to these studios. We can all privately rent them with our own LLCs. And then, um, you know, we'll still be like a business together, but independent. Yeah. And so we did that and then they all left and now I'm there by myself. Oh, shit. Yeah. And they're all doing their own thing <clears throat> and everybody thought it would be difficult for me, but I'm 
super introverted, so I love it. I love being there by myself. So yeah, that's so yeah, funny. I thrive there. Really, you're yeah. introverted. I would yeah. have never thought that. I know nobody knows it. Yeah, it's my secret. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um. So let's let's talk about let's talk about the journey, right? Let's talk about uh, you know getting from you know let let's talk about teenage Amber. Who was teenage Amber, and how how did how did how did she evolve? Um. I was a terrible person. <laughs> Um, so I, when, well, I can't say I was a terrible person. I was definitely a teenager. Mm. Um, I experienced a tragedy when I was 16. I lost my best friend in a car accident and, um, you know, I was raised in this super, uh, um, very strict religion, you know, and I, I was at very strict rules. My parents are amazing people, yeah. you know, but they were trying to do what's best for my sister and I. And then when I experienced that tragedy, I just rebelled really hard. Gotcha. And, um, I, you know, I lied to my school and graduated <laughs> early when I was 18 and I just started doing drugs like immediately. Mm. And it was, I had, you know, I moved out and I had no one telling me what to do. So I instantly just, you know, did drugs. I did it for a whole year, and then, um, you know, I had a few run-ins with the law. I had a few um, bench warrants because I didn't show up to court, mm -hmm. um, and I I actually, uh, one day, I went outside, and I, um, I, like, said this prayer that I was done, and I needed help, and whatever needed to be done, I needed to stop, um, and I, I was tired of this life. Um, I was tired of being a disappointment, and I knew that I was something. I, I had this feeling that I'm something so much greater than this. And if I was so good at destroying my life, imagine what I could do if I tried to focus on improving it. So, wow. and you um, came to that realization on your own. Yeah. Um, wow. you know, I stayed up for like two days doing drugs with yeah. all these people. And I just looked around and I was like, I'm not, I don't belong here. And yeah. within the hour police showed up at this apartment I was at and they, um, they were looking for somebody else. And I said, you know, I have warrants out for my arrest. If you want to take me, I don't know who this person is you're looking for, but I'll go. And they were like, oh, no, we don't have to take you. And I was like, no, no, I want to go. Wow. Um, and they were like, okay, well, where are your shoes at? Um, and I said I didn't have any. Like, I was wearing, you know, Tommy Hilfiger overalls, a sports bra, and I didn't even have my contacts in. I didn't have shoes. I had lost literally everything. Wow. And um, they arrested me and they were so nice to me and they took me into jail and I was crying and they were like, it's going to be okay. And I was like, no, these are good tears. And I, I was there for three weeks. I spent 18 months on probation and I completely turned my life around, you know, after that. And I ended up um, working for AmeriCorps for a year and I got a scholarship to any college I wanted to, which is why I came to Arizona. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So you were, you were in jail for three weeks? Yes. Wow. What jail? Or do you mind if I ask? It what was jail? Lincoln, Nebraska. It's okay. kind of, um, man, it was like, uh, like a summer camp almost, but okay. you don't get to go outside. I mean, yeah. the first week I spent in solitary confinement because they thought I was like coming down and, mm. you know, um, and I was, and you know, then the last two weeks I spent, um, I made friends with every person there and, I would draw things for people and I got everybody to work out with me and I never worked out ever, wow. you know, and I just, I saw this effect I was having on people and I just, I had to do something with that, you yeah. know? What, what was it like? Um, <clears throat> Cause I mean, you did, you, you were on drugs for a year. What was it like going from doing drugs, being surrounded by those people? And then now you're like literally facing the reality of it, right? Three weeks in jail. Mm -hmm. What were the first few days off drugs? Like what's that? What's that feel? I, I don't know what that feeling was like. Um, well, it wasn't until I got out of jail 
I had this overwhelming fear of uh, failing mm. again. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had to recklessly abandon every single thing and person that was in my life. Um, and I had to get away from uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. And um, my aunt had just gotten a divorce and moved to Omaha, which mm. was an hour away. Okay. And um, I actually, the day I moved there was September 11th, 2001. Wow. So the day the World Trade Centers, um, you know, uh, got attacked and so the world changed and you were changed yeah, all at the same yeah. time and wow. it was it was this monumental moment where I was like I have to change you know um I have to be better like everyone has to and you know in some weird way um I didn't feel so isolated um and my problems felt so small in that moment yeah you know wow. and I yeah. was like wow you know <laughs> if if anything were to happen to me what are people going to say about me? They're going to say, man, she had so much potential and failed, you yeah. know, and I had a chance to change that. Yeah. So I knew I had to. I love that. That's so awesome, man. <laughs> I'm getting choked up. That's, <laughs> yes. that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's huge, man. Um, so what, what was the first thing you did? Like you knew you had to change your life, right? What was the first step? Like, what did you do first? I mean, you got out of, you got out of town. Yeah. That's good. Uh -huh, what I was did. next? What was the next? Um, you? finding a job. Yeah. And I was, um, I had no, I hadn't worked for over a year. Yeah. So I went around and I was trying to get a waitressing job or a fast food job and no one would hire me. What? Because you were in jail? Yeah. Well, gotcha. okay. So I had a gap in my work experience Yeah. and I was like, oh, even at that college. age, like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. And I was 19. And so I was like, oh, well I was going to college or I was doing this and nobody was hiring me. And I finally went into this restaurant and I filled out my application. I handed it to her. And then I, I took it back and I said, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I was in jail. I, I messed up my life and I just need someone to give me a chance. And she ended up hiring me um, because I was honest. And I realized like I have to be honest with people and not be ashamed of my past. Um, I want to, if somebody can prove to me, I won't let them down. Yeah. And so I actually was a waitress for like ugh, years. I mean, you know, which it, yeah. which I think everybody should be a server at some point. I in agree. Life. I know. Learned, yes. Yes. I it, agree. It really teaches you how to treat people yeah. and, um, you know, how, how to, how to communicate with people even when you don't want to, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was a waitress for a long time and I just tried to keep finding, you know, where to fit, you know, I was like a square peg in a round hole. I yeah. was just not fitting in anywhere, but really it was because I didn't even know who I was, you know, right. I didn't know yeah. what shape I was to even know where I was going to fit. So yeah. I just kept doing things yeah. and going where, um, I felt like I was needed, you know? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, so you're, you're, you're working as a, as a waitress for five years. Yeah. You, you know what I learned? I learned more about people in the yes. two years I was, I was serving than and at any other point in my life. Yes. And, you know, it, remember the remember those tables like, you know, you get the drink order right and then, you know, maybe an appetizer, bam, you nail it. And then the food comes and it's all warm. Everything's perfect. And then you bring the check and the, you get a good tip and you're like, man, that was a perfect table. Yeah. That was maybe one out of 15 for me, man. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a lady yell at me one time because I forgot her coffee and I had a table of 18 and I just started at this job oh and I went to grab gosh. the coffee pot so fast that I hit it against the soda machine 
and hot coffee spilled all over the front of me and burnt me. Oh my god! And I had to keep working because you there was nobody else there to oh. serve. Yeah, oh, and I mean, but the lady was so rude to me. <clears throat> yeah, and um, after that, she apologized to me, and um, because she saw I kept going. Yeah. And, you know, it just made me realize, like, you know, I mean, you just have to keep going. You can't yeah. you can't let those people affect you. And, yeah. you know, if they see you're actually suffering and hurting, it'll change the way that those people look at you. You yeah. know, it's hard to see people as human when you're looking down on them. Right. You know, yeah. And then yeah. when you make yourself a human to them, they suddenly realize that you're the same as them. You yeah. know, when you're covered in scalding hot coffee, they suddenly realize, like, oh, my God, that's awful. And I did that to you, yeah. you know. Wow. So. <laughs> yeah. I had a, okay. So, so two things that I remember like, like they were yesterday and this is like a long time ago, more than 30 <laughs> years ago. Um, but, um, there, there was one lady and I remember she was yelling at me and, and I'm like, I remember like, you know, it was one of those punishment didn't fit the crime kind of situations. Yeah. Like this is like over the top. And I'm like, Oh, you're crazy. Oh, <laughs> I get it. All right, cool. And I was able to just kind of, yes, ma'am, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. But I real, she's fucking nuts, man. Yeah. I, that's, she's just crazy. And then there was another one where um, a couple came in, cute little, you know, cute little toddler. And um, they're like, oh, we need a high chair. Yeah, of course. And I'll go get it. So I went and got their drink order and the high chair at the same time. Now, those high chairs had a little swivel thing where you open it, put the baby in, yeah. right? And I open it, and they're putting the baby in, and I look, and there's two giant glasses of iced tea going right at the kid. Oh, Splash. No. Soaked him. Oh. Iced tea, freezing cold. He screams. We pick him up. We're toweling him off. Oh, my gosh. I'm half crying. <laughs> like, I'm going to get fired today. <laughs> I somehow kept my job. They left. Uh. I thought, I'm fired. Like, I'm going to yeah. get fired today. Didn't get fired. Uh, they probably didn't have enough people, but, yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> but, um, they came back and sat in my section. No way. Yeah. Oh. I, that was like torturous, man. I was like, Oh no. What can I do? <laughs> I was like, I was bowing almost, you know what I mean? Yeah. Fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. a tough gig, man. Well, that's good that they, you know, saw you as human. Like I say, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's so. cool. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, what, you, you, obviously you left that job after five years. What'd you do that? I, 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 well, I was, I did several different jobs. Okay. Um, I left a lot of them flipping them off because, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you're a server, man, this is like early two thousands too. So you're making like a dollar 75 an yep. hour yep. and you're living off of tips, you know? Yep. And, um, usually the management, you know, and I was like, I hate to stereotype people because I've actually met some amazing managers. My last waitressing job she was so amazing, and I'm still friends with, like, a lot of the people I worked with because of her. Yeah. But a lot of times, you know, the the management, they, like, hate their jobs. Nobody wants to be the manager because right. it's so involved. Yeah. And and it's, It's a you know, thankless job, too, man. It is. Yeah. And so then they take it out on, you know, the, the servers. And yeah. God, that was just me all the time. So, so many times I would have to be, like, escorted out and <laughs> flipping them off, you know. And I was like, I'll just get another job. I'll show yeah. you. You know, and I did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did that for, and, and while I did that, I also um, worked for AmeriCorps and started an after-school learning center for kids wow. in Omaha, which is how I, you know, I just did it for a scholarship, basically. That's great, though. You know, yeah. but that was, that was pretty fun. Yeah, you know? so so tell me about AmeriCorps, and, and, and how did, okay, so what, what was your job there? What did you do? Um, so AmeriCorps is like the Peace Corps, but yep. in America, um, mm. you go to Chicago, you take some classes or learn some stuff. I don't really remember. Yeah. Um, it was cold. That's all I remember. Yeah. <laughs> and windy. Um, yeah. But uh, you spend a year um, and they give you money to 
start something that's going to help low income families. Gotcha. And um, so I was I belonged to this um, like it was a nonprofit church called Mosaic Community Development. And a bunch of us worked for AmeriCorps and we started this um, uh, after school learning center. Um, and another girl and I, we taught art to children. Oh, so um, cool. This is when I discovered I don't like teaching children. Um, <laughs> I, I, I loved most of the kids, yeah. um, but it, there was a few that were problem ch- children. Sure, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I never blame the kids. Um, you know, they were in a rough spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my uh, the girl who was doing it with me, she had a lot more experience teaching and she was she would allow that kind of behavior and it was affecting other kids. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't know if I can, I, I like to help people who, who want to be helped. Want to be helped. Yeah. 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 Um, or will are willing to help themselves. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I realized that, you know, I could only go as far as they were willing to meet me and yeah. maybe teaching children wasn't the thing because so many kids need you to go all the way to help mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. They need you to cross the entire river and hold their hands through it. And yeah. I didn't think I was capable of doing that, yeah. you know? So. Well, it, it might be something that, like, they're not getting at home. Yeah, You know exactly. what I mean? And, and you're, they expect someone to do it, right? Yeah. And it's, it's, an, it's a natural thing, so it's, it's really difficult, yeah. Yeah, but there were some kids that were so great, and I love them so much, you know? And, yeah. You know, I hope they're doing amazing now. But, I'm sure they are. Yeah. I'm sure they are. That's, yeah. awesome. That's awesome. All right, so, um, so AmeriCorps, um, how, did that, how did that end with AmeriCorps? Um, after a year, you, you know, you either get a thousand dollars, I don't know how it is now, but you either get a thousand dollars cash, you know, and then they take taxes out or you get a $5,000 scholarship to anywhere you want to go. Whoa, cool. And I literally picked Arizona because it was the warmest place. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I'm getting out of here, you know? Um, so that's how it ended. And I think the mosaic kept going for a long time. That's cool. Um, and then they eventually stopped, you know. Um, yeah, but that's a good legacy, though. Yeah. It hit a yeah. lot of kids. That's I cool. know the, the church, I think, still stuck around for a long time. Okay. But, um, you know, and I'm still in, I, I still am friends with, well, I say Facebook friends with yeah. um, most of the people from there. You know, they changed my life and they, they picked me up when I was at, I didn't even know who I was. Yeah. And, you know, they accepted me in my wild state and they loved me. And they were the reason why, you know, I made it through that whole year, you know, and I'm so extremely grateful for them. Like they'll, they'll never know how grateful I am, you know, but, um, after that, I, I just moved to Arizona. I didn't know a single person. I moved out here, you know, what? Yeah. Yeah. You moved here all by yourself. Yes, I didn't know anybody, but I had um, signed up at the college. It was a um, trade school. Okay. And then they give you, they provide you with an apartment, you know, that you share with other people. Okay. So I came out here and I did that. You know, yeah. my car got stolen like instantly when I moved here. No way. Was, and I got it back, but I was like, oh hey, was it in Arizona? Ba- was it in bad shape? When you um, got it back? they ripped the radio out. Uh, yeah, well, and the AC yeah. didn't work for a long time, but. <laughs> You know, here I was like wanting to experience warmth that yeah. I was like, I got what I, what I wanted. So, yeah. you know, but it's wild, yeah. man. What year was that? Um, so I moved here in 2003. Okay. Um, and I went to college till 2005. Okay. And then that's when I quit and started tattooing. Tattooing. Yeah. yeah. What was your first tattoo gig? Um, I worked at, um, oh my, Mill Avenue Inc. Okay. In, in Tempe. It's yeah. not there anymore. Okay. Um, it, there's a Jack in the Box in Tempe and it was like right behind that. Okay. Yeah. And I know exactly where you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, like a, there's like a P 
Pita Jungle in that corner yep. now. That, uh-huh. that place has been like eight things since I moved here. Yeah, yeah. yeah they tore the building and everything down. Yeah. Um, and I did that for, you know, a year. <laughs> but, um, you know, I didn't do any tattoos, but... I did practice on myself and a lot of people. And <laughs> I'm very sorry to any of those people, <laughs> I, yeah. uh, including you know some of my family members that are yeah. that they won't let me fix them. They're just rocking the <laughs> trash tattoos. So, yeah, yeah, you know. that's that's wild. Yeah. So, um, okay, so right when you're finishing college, someone gave you the tattoo kit. Do you still have that kit? Um, I don't think I do. I think I have portions of it. Yeah. Um. The power supply had four dial. I don't know. The power supply is like what makes a machine run faster or slower. Yeah. And this had four settings on it. Yeah. So it was like the needle catches in your skin because it's going too slow or it's going so fast it's shredding you. So, oh, gosh. you know, I don't think I have that one anymore. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I have no idea what I was doing in the yeah. beginning. But I don't, I'm, I'm sure maybe somewhere I have that. But I do yeah. have some of my first machines. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just They've evolved a lot, huh? Yeah, now there are pens, you know. Wow. They, yeah, and you just use a cartridge. You don't have to use needles or anything like that. And really? I mean, use a needle, but it's part of a cartridge now, so it's all in one. It's Whoa, okay. Ugh, if I would have been able to learn like this, like, <laughs> people don't know how easy it is now to yeah. learn how to tattoo, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you still have to have the artistic uh, piece to it, Absolutely. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's yeah. the hardest part of doing a, ch- a tattoo? Um, it, uh, To me, the hardest thing, I... I draw everything mm-hmm. for everyone. I custom draw it. Um, so I like having my regular clients because when I draw, I can think about them yeah. and, and put their personality into the piece. Mm-hmm. So when I'm creating a new piece for somebody I've never met, most of the time we've only been talking over text. Yeah, I've never met them. So when they come in, I have no idea who they are, or how they're going to be. Um, you know, and so it's hard to, difficult to draw, but the most difficult part is sitting there for hours with one person. Yeah. Um, and, I've gotten to the point where now I tattoo, I, I mean, there's really no one I tattoo that I don't like, yeah. you know, because I get to be picky about who yeah. I, you know, and if I tattoo somebody new and, you know, I don't like them, I won't tattoo them again, but yeah. that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Um, so the hardest thing is, um, you know, I, I'd like to say I'm somewhat of an empath. And so I sit there and you basically become this counselor to people and I tell people my story, they tell me theirs yeah. and- I have so many hard stories to sit through, tragedies and loss. And, you know, as soon as somebody loses a loved one or a pet, they come to me and they'll call me crying. Can you get me in? I need a tattoo. And I have to sit there. And, you know, I've tattooed people for years past their tragedies. And they say that, you know, I'm the one that helped them or something. And that feels really good. Yeah. But I carry that with me forever, you know, and I'll leave traumatized by these stories. And I've, you know, I... My friend who actually came to visit, she's a therapist now and she has her own her own practice and she tells me, you know, that it, you have to learn how to listen but mm-hmm. not carry it, you wow. know, and that's something that the hardest thing for me was, you know, and also on top of that, you know, I've, I've had people tell me just crazy stories and, yeah. you know, and I, I carry all of them with me forever. So the hardest thing is like as an artist, I love painting and sitting in my room by myself and listening to music yeah. and not talking to anybody. Yeah. So um, it drains every – I could train six hours of jujitsu a day, and it doesn't drain me as much as, um, you know, a few hours of, of hearing someone's, like, story. Like a tragic story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's it's heavy, and it weighs on me a lot. So that's yeah. the hardest part, I'd say. Yeah, I can, I, can, I can imagine, you know, someone suffering a loss, you know, and and literally, I mean, you and I have sat for – 
five hours at a time. Yeah, yeah. And it, they probably go through beginning to end on that loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, man, and that's you know, deep. they'll their stories are in their art now. Yeah. You know, and yeah. they are like, oh, when I first started, I was in a dark place, and now I'm here in this at the top of my sleeve in a better place, you know? Oh, and that's so cool. That's cool. But yeah. it's like, oh, I'm still in that dark place. <laughs> <with you. laughs> yeah. 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 I'm still traumatized. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so let's talk about, okay. So 2003 <clears throat> college, 2005 left college, started tattooing at what point? Well, okay. So when, when did you get married? Cause you got married and then, and then you had, you had your son. Yeah. I got in, married in 2006. 2006. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's when I actually moved here. Okay. Yeah. So you got married 2006. And then at that point, you're, did you, did you guys as a family move? Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, I was six months pregnant and I moved back home. Um, just cause I wanted to raise my son around my family. I knew yeah. we'd have more support out there. Sure. And, yeah. You know, I just wanted him to, you know, like get, know my parents, you yeah. know, and, and get to experience grandparents like I did. So, yeah. you know. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. How, how was that? I mean, how was that? Um, how long did your, if we, we don't have to talk about this, but how long did your marriage, your marriage last? Um, we made it a little under four years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so they, they had time to, you know, your son and your, your, and your ex had time to bond and all that. Um, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. He, he fell off the deep end and you know, he wasn't raised, you know, by the best parents. Yeah. Um, you know, and his sister, <coughs> is one of my best friends and she lives out here. And so my son has a deep connection with her and okay. we spend all holidays with her. And that's great. Um, so he has access to his dad's side of the family. His dad is actually, you know, barely being in his life now. But yeah. um, so my son doesn't remember really any of him, you know, growing up because he, he kind of went off the deep end and had to, you know, he had to learn a lot of hard life lessons mm. and, you know, get in trouble with the law himself. And, you know, um, he it took him a long time to get out and get sober and you know do all this and I think he's doing well now but Good. you know he's not really involved in my son's life at all but you know it just made me work that much harder yeah. you know for my son so yeah. you know I don't think that there's any excuse when you have a kid and you're raising him yourself just um, gotta do it yeah you just gotta do it you gotta and and you don't have to give up anything you know you don't have to. And I, that's one thing about my son is I've never wanted him to feel sorry for himself and say that he had anything less than anybody else did, you know, yeah. cause he gets all the love from his mom full time. Yeah, you know, I yeah. don't have to like, you know, uh, take breaks or, you know, like, Oh, go ask your dad, you know, right. um, I'm the full-time parent and you know, uh, anything he's, he's a really good kid. So, he is. He is you know, a good kid. Yeah. 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 I'd like to say that, you know, I'd like to take all the credit for that. And my parents have helped a lot. So, that's you know, awesome. they actually moved out here. I heard. So, yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. <clears throat> when, did they, when did they decide to do that? Um, I believe it's been four years. My old, okay. um, my middle sister, um, so I'm the baby. I have two sisters. Yeah. And um, the middle sister moved out, out here as well and works for Mesa PD. Um, she got a job. And when she moved, my parents were like, well... You know, we might as well move there. Yeah, right. Like, why are we, re- they retired and they were like, oh my God, this is awful. Like, <laughs> what are we going to do? Yeah. Do they shovel snow and then mow the grass, you know, that's when it. there's grass and that's, that's your life. So they yeah. moved out here. Wow. And, yeah. Wow. That's cool. Um, so when did you start jujitsu? What was your first day? Um, I started in 2013. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I had done a few years of Muay Thai. Okay. Um, which I fell in love with, um, my uh, my Muay Thai coach Kurt Padani actually just passed away um, a few months ago from lung cancer, and he didn't smoke or anything. And he was a two time world champion, you know. Wow. And he was 
the most amazing person yeah. that you could ever meet. And he he taught me a lot about martial arts. But at the time, I was like 29. My career was just taking off. My son was starting kindergarten. Um, <clears throat> I was driving an hour to go to his school. Wow. Um, and <clears throat> I just couldn't. It was too much. I was yeah. being very overwhelmed. And I wasn't. He saw so much in me. And I was like, I just can't. I, yeah. I, if I had time, I could be this. And I actually quit going. And then, you know, I just worked out a lot. And then I ended up finding Mid-American Martial Arts in Lincoln, Nebraska, which I think they only have one in Omaha now. But um, Team Vagi, Rodrigo Vagi was yeah. the person who was like the head guy in that. Okay. Um, but <clears throat> um, they only had like two Muay Thai classes a week. And my... Uh, one of the owners of that gym, um, I was like, man, you should really like do a few more Muay Thai classes. And he was like, or you could try jujitsu. And I That's was right. like, I was or like, you could try jujitsu. I was like, Oh no, it's gross. They like put butts in your face. You're and absolutely sweat right. on you. And it's yes. disgusting. You and know, it's and awesome. he, and I was like, and I don't want to hurt my hands. And <laughs> a good point. he points out, um, this guy, Nick, there was a hand surgeon and he goes, well, Nick's a hand surgeon. So, I mean, if you're too scared, that's fine. <laughs> and I was like, okay then. And I tried it out, you know, um, yeah. And I ended up, uh, I tried it out and, um, I fell in love with it. And, you know, I, the first black belt I met came over and he was like, um, wow, you're a natural at this, you know? And, wow. you know, I'd heard that a lot when I first started going to MMA gyms. And then I found out it's because the, um, the people saying that to me were hitting on me and trying to oh, you know, get gotcha. with me, yeah. you know, it's, there's <clears throat> really, there's a lot of pervs mm-hmm. in the, you know, yep. in the industry, unfortunately, but yep. Um, you know, and I, I found all the bad schools first, but then I would, some fighters would see me and say like, let's take you to where you're going to be appreciated and wow. respected. And so, you know, a lot of people saw that I was good. Um, but this school, you know, um, this guy comes down and he's like, wow. And he showed me this move and I did it right away. And he was like, all right, we have a natural. And, and I just Whoa. took that so personal, you know, <laughs> and, and I yeah. knew it. he wasn't saying that other you know any other way than authentically yeah and um i just became obsessed and i i wasn't even there for a year when i decided to move to arizona and um you know there's no women there yeah and um i'd already done like three tournaments and i had already become addicted you right know? yeah and, that. you know your pupils yeah. get huge and you just got to do it yeah um and <clears throat> the guys there my last day they showed up um and a few of them got emotional and they were like, please don't quit jujitsu. Like wow. promise us that you won't quit. So, yeah. you know, I made it a point when I moved here to find a school right away. And I found, you know, Paul was the first person to call me back. So, you know, <laughs> which thank is, God. which is hilarious that two people <laughs> at the promotion said Paul Nava was the only person to call me back. He never calls anybody. No, back. Uh-uh, he doesn't even, t- I mean, he'll text sometimes, you know, but 10 yeah. days later. Yeah. 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 Like, like the moment has passed Paul. Yeah. And I was just like, I mean, he was so enthusiastic that, you know, I, you know, I moved here and I had been like, man, driving hard and tattooing. I was so like, I made so much money tattooing in Nebraska and I moved out here and was like, didn't even have a job yet, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I basically committed career suicide almost, but, um, you know, and I was like, oh, I could just take a break. And, but Paul was so enthusiastic 
and so excited. And he's like, all right, what day can you come? I'm going to make sure that there's girls there. And Yay. okay, I'm going to have you start this day. And I was like, there was something about him that I was like, well, I don't want to let him down. Yeah. You know, so I had to go. Yeah. You know, and thank God I did because thank God I didn't become lazy, yeah. you know, which would have been very easy for me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. You, you know, when, when I when I first walked into Paul's Academy, I was looking for a, a jujitsu academy. And um, my friend Kevin, who's going to be on the on the podcast, he was going to nursing school with Amy. I've said this story a hundred times, but he he was a blue belt in jujitsu and he wouldn't shut up about it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was like, oh, gosh, you know, I wish he would just shut up. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when I decide I want to get myself in shape, he is the reason why I Googled jujitsu in Mesa. Arizona. Yeah. So I had my first class, two classes at um, Rough House. And then I went and saw Paul and my next stop was going to be Gustavo Dante's. And but it, Paul's a black belt under Gustavo. So I'm like, oh, just stick around here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, so I before I went to one of his classes, I was uh, coming back from a, from a business trip. Yeah, I was like button down shirt, tie halfway undone, just came back from the airport. And I I knew where school was so i kind of drove by kind of slow through the parking lot lights on so i stopped in and he, they were training really hard it was super intense and then um he came off the mat and we talked for like a good five seven minutes and i'm like don't you have a job to do right now <laughs> <laughs> but it meant so much just that the same enthusiasm yeah. that you felt i felt that enthusiasm from him as well yeah right it's it's like this energy that he has when he talks to you and it never stops. No. Right? Yeah. I mean, even the conversations of today. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's pretty awesome, man. Yeah. 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 I'm very grateful for that, you know, and the, the women that I met right away, you know, that I still know. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm grateful. I had no female trading partners in Nebraska. I so imagine, yeah. coming out here and having them was fantastic, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, we had, at the time, our team was growing and we had a lot of, I mean, I can't say a lot of women. We had pretty good yeah women and, and and there was an influx after that yeah remember that when yeah. a bunch of people started coming over and um man we had probably one of the i mean arguably one of the best women's team in arizona yeah yeah i mean it, it showed you know tournament wise stuff like that yeah you guys were killing it so that was really cool yeah who was the women's coach at the time when you showed up um nana that's right yeah, yeah, yeah. she was the women's coach at the time yeah and um <clears throat> i think then we had jolie and yep then Maria and then nobody else could do it. And they're like, well, you do it. And I was like, I don't know how to teach. So yeah. The apprenticeship program. Just I was by accident. Up. They're like, just can you cover a few classes? And then yeah. they're like, by a few, I mean forever. Forever. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah. And it, it's really rare that you have like a women's program that's so supported. You have a really good following there, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 Um, and I mean, it ebbs and flows, right? Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. Um, it's... Uh, you know, I have to say this past year I spent, um, I got the 10 a.m. coaching position, which I've been training 10 a.m. for the past eight years yeah. and I've seen it change, you know, and it's my special, like, I love, I love training at 10 a.m. and yeah. it, it's close to my heart and the people who have been at it a long time with me, you know, we're still there. But, um, you know, the past year I kind of focused a lot on the 10 a.m. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the women's team, you know, it, it did get small, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and I, I struggle between like, should this be for beginners? Uh, you know, so if I, if I try to go too hard, then the new girls are scared. Yeah. You know, if I try to go too light, then the, the, the upper belts don't want to come. Yeah. But one thing I, I have noticed and I, I want to stick with is, um, not every woman is built like me who right. comes in ready to get, you know, need in the face yeah. and not cry about it. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've cried a lot at the gym, on the mats, in my car, in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, you know, 
for multiple reasons. Um, mainly because my ego got hurt or something, you know, but, um, you know, a lot of women don't have that hardcore drive to be a beast. And Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things to do is show a woman her inner beast, Mm -hmm. you know, and we all have it. And, um, not everyone is capable of bringing it out themselves. And I felt like I had to, um, I, it was kill or be killed. You know, I remember in Nebraska, I got a rib dislocated. And I was laying there like, oh, I can't breathe. And the guys were like, can you scoot off the mat and get out of the way? And I was like, oh, oh, my, okay. And I like roll over and I was like, I'm just going to go. And it was horrible. And like, you know, not every woman is like that. Yeah. I don't want to discourage people from trying jujitsu, but no. yes, that's a thing. It is. Yeah. But you know what? And, and that's an example of, um, you know, some people want you to be really tough. Mm. And if you're going to go to a gym and, you know, you, you jam your pinky finger and you don't want to, like, show up anymore. Um, you know, there's the people who are, like, you know, diehards that are like, oh, it's just a pinky finger. You can train with that. What's wrong with <laughs> you? You know, like, just put tape on it. Yeah. You know? Um, and then there's the people that are like, oh, no, that really hurts. I don't want to do it. And I have my job. And I, yeah, da, 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 I get it. You know? Yeah. And for women, it's way different because a lot of women have trauma. And anytime you put pressure on them of any kind Mm -hmm. or they get a little bit of their hair ripped out, they'll start crying. You know, a lot of women will have a mental breakdown. Mm -hmm. You know, if you take side control and pressure them, um, they they have a mental breakdown. And I've had a lot of women run off and lock themselves in the bathroom um, because they might have past trauma. Um, They don't recognize that um, they haven't they haven't let their inner beast out. They're still. you know, wanting to be a victim and that's totally fine. So to me, the women's team is a bridge to the other classes mm-hmm. um, because some women are terrified to go out there and roll with a man. They I see can these understand big that. dudes, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> and I have some big guys at the 10 a.m. that I'll roll with. And it took me a long time to to roll with them because they had to, like, show me that they were not going to hurt me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for the women, you know, I, I, I wait for that moment where they cry and then I talk to them and I say, this is the moment where you you get to choose. Do you want that that side of you that says you can't do it and you have to cry and break down? Do you want that side of you to always take over or do you want to accept that you're a beast and and that you don't always have to be this way and do you want to fight for yourself, you know? And and you can show up every day and you can cry every day and I'll still support you, but if you quit on yourself, that part of you that wants to quit will always quit. Yeah, um that that's that's a great way to put it, man. I, I there's a couple of things that come to mind when when you say that. Uh, the first one is, you know, when when um, I think one of the saddest things that I hear people say is, "I never knew how strong I was." Yeah, because they've never put themselves in positions like that to be strong. Right? Yeah, because it's a muscle you got to work on. Yeah, right? it and, is. And and then when the world comes crashing down, you just take a deep breath and you're like, "Okay, okay, so what's the first step?" Right. Yep. I've been in bad situations before, albeit. These are not life-threatening positions, right? Yeah, but yeah. but it's still it, it's it's very difficult when you do hard stuff. You're exercising that tough muscle, right? Yeah. Um, but I remember you and I had a conversation once, and this is like maybe I think maybe you just got your brown belt or something, and you said something that really really affected me, and you said that you needed a strong woman around you, so you decided to be that one. Oh, and I was like. I'm getting choked up right now. I'm like, holy shit. Like, holy shit. Who does that? Right? Everybody's looking for something to to hang on to. Everybody's looking for somebody to lean on. 
you literally told yourself you were going to be that person to lean on. I'm sorry, I'm getting. Oh, that makes me cry. <laughs> I'm gonna get some... I, I got it's a subject to talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> yeah. Rhode Island is neither a road nor an island. I don't know if you need one, but I need one. Oh my God. All right. But, but just that, that, I mean, you're, 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 that, that's a leader, man. That's a leader. You're born leader. I, um, you know, and I, my, my jujitsu career, I, I haven't won a lot, you know, um, and I've kind of gotten used to the fact that, you know, um, it's tough to do everything I'm doing and devote every, you know, cause I almost have these mental breakdowns before every tournament because I have to sacrifice so much yeah. to get to that tournament. And I can't always be in tournament mode. I've got my kid and my job and yeah. they take priority. Um, and I've realized, you know, my son's 15. I've got a few more years and then, man, I'm just, I know I'm going to kill it. And, um, but you know, I, I refuse to think that I'm not good at jujitsu right. because of that. Um, and I found in teaching that I have a way of getting people to to listen to me. And I've done that with tattooing for 15 years, you know. Um, I've gotten people to change their lives, and people have changed my life, you know. And um, so I, I recognize that I had that ability, and I recognize that, you know, we we have this idea that everyone's supposed to be and think like us, you know, mm. and that's completely unrealistic. <clears throat> yeah. um, I realize that just because I find, found out how to be strong for myself, that doesn't mean that another female or male, um, should do that. Mm. And I can't look down on them because they can't. Um, I like to be strong for them, yeah. you know, and show them that, you know, I'm that person that's going to believe in you. Um, and man, I've, I've seen it. I've, I've, I've gone out and dropped words of encouragement on somebody right before they go out and compete. And I've seen them kill it, yeah. you know, and I've also seen them not kill it. Yeah but lose with a smile on their face yeah. and say that was the most fun I've ever had Yeah, because I, they said, you know, I had one girl that she went out and did her first tournament and she lost and she stood up and I was smiling and cheering her on so much. She was like, I just smiled and I had so much fun. <laughs> they didn't raise my hand, but who cares, you know? Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I recognize not everyone's that way. Um, mm. but man, if I could make them feel that way for like half a second yeah. and change their life, you know, why wouldn't I try to do that? Yeah. You know? That's so cool. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a student. Uh, she reminds me a lot about you, of, of you. Um, she's like, um, but she's like, she's like a soccer mom. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, not, you know, not a super athlete, but not, you know, not a non-athlete. Like she's pretty athletic, but um, she started jujitsu completely out of her comfort zone. Yeah. And she started feeding off of other people's energy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, this, this guy does this. I'm going to do that. She does this. I'm going to do that. And she's like, you know, but we're talking like when I say like, like soccer mom, like, you know, like teachers would ask her like, hey, can you build this giant whatever for Christmas? And, <laughs> and she would do it. Oh, wow. Like she does it for the academy, too. She does wow. all these really cool things. But um, <clears throat> but um, she did her first tournament. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think she lost in the first round. But um, she came off the mat and she's like, whatever I have to do to do that again that's what I'm going to do from that's this point amazing. on. Isn't that awesome? Like yeah. going from like, ugh, you know, sweaty yeah. guys to like, you know, she's, she's digging it, you know, and she's going through her own little stuff right now. It's keeping her off the mats a little bit, Yeah. but, um, but yeah, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind she's going to be back doing it. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> I feel like there's always going to be something that gets in your way of jujitsu, but yeah. I always tell everyone like you just come back, you know, allow the things in life to happen, but 
no matter how much time passes, you can come back. And I feel like, um, you know, um, if if you don't see a path, you have to make one. Mm-hmm. And you don't make that path for yourself. Um, not everyone is capable of making their own path. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you can uh, make somebody's journey a little bit better and guide them a little bit, like, that's the way to do it, you know. And it's it's cool to hear that other women are, like, feeding off the um, infectious joy of jujitsu yeah. you know yeah it's so yeah. cool man and you know and 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 i that puts a little pressure on me <laughs> as yeah. a coach right yeah. and you you know the pressure right yeah. because you want to be that role model you want to be you know anybody that i you know you know bleed with cry with you know sweat with on the mats that that's my brother that's my sister man yeah you know what i mean like we are we are a different kind of people and man i just i i i don't know when when I talk about gravitating to them, it's again, it's like when I when I do something, I go all in, and and, and I have the same feeling for people, the people that I'm around with with jujitsu. It's not like, it's not like they're pulling me. It's like I'm falling. Like yeah. I can't help but want to be around people like you. I can't help to just want to be at an open mat and just be this sopping wet pile of mop. You know yes, what I mean? This absolutely. right? Yeah. I can't help it. Yeah. Like, other normal humans don't want to do that. Like I get it. Yeah. But we're not normal humans. No, and you know I am. You say I'm not, I don't seem introverted, but I'm such an introvert. You couldn't get me to go. I, if if I hadn't had years of tattooing, I would be sitting here like, what do I say Next now? question, please. Uh, Next. And I would just be saying like really weird things and over talking. Yeah. But yeah. jujitsu has given me this confidence um, that I didn't have. And it's given me this friendship. I've never in my life had such a great group of friends mm. that are such amazing people. Yeah. Um, like you guys are the people who held me together when my life was falling apart and I didn't know, you know, what direction I was going. And jujitsu was the light that was like, just head towards that light right yeah. there, you know? Yeah. And it was the people, it's not the sport. I could, you know, I could have been in a bad school and quit forever, you yeah. know? But, um, like you said, you gravitate towards those those people that um, you just want to be around, can't you help know? It. I yeah, can't help and it. there's no one like jujitsu people. You know, I love going to a tournament now, and I've spent eight years here, and so people finally, you know, kind of know who I am a little yeah. bit. And yeah. I go to a tournament to coach, and I'm getting approached by people all over. Some people about my tattoos, yeah. and some people about, you know, oh, I saw that last tournament you did, or one, you know, they're like, oh, I saw that one time you were crying. I'm like, oh, every time. <laughs> um, I go to a tattoo convention. And it's just like ego and like yeah. drugs and drinking and like um, it's it's loud music and, um, you know, a lot of people know me, but there's no love, yeah. you know, yeah. um, it's this strange, uh, you know, I mean, there is love and, you know, I can't say I'm there's sure. no love. I'm sure. Yeah. There is some love, but, but there's like, competition too, right? Uh, absolutely. And yeah. you're going to a tournament, a jujitsu tournament to compete with people yeah. and there's nothing but love, yeah. you know? Yeah. Your, your loss is not my it's how should i put this when i when i win it's not because i want the other person to lose i don't yeah. know if that makes any sense yep it does but yeah. like your loss is not my gain you know what i mean like yeah. we're it's this it's this like this energy this this it, it's hard to explain that the the moments before we engage it i can feel the rush right now yeah yeah. It's awesome. Uh-huh. It's awesome because I know because I I, I, I I compete against this guy, uh, Doug. He's been on the podcast. Hilarious, by the way. Yeah. you got to watch the episode. Um, but I compete against Doug a lot. And I know how hard he works. Yeah. And he knows how hard I work. So when we meet, it's like 
it's a literally a 50 50 shot who's going to come yeah. up on top and that's so much fun man i can't there is no dominating you know what i mean yeah absolutely anyway i feel that way about everybody that i train with yeah, yeah. i absolutely and um as a coach you know when you um you've been training somebody or working with somebody for years and they get close to submitting you one day. Yeah. You're like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> they got lucky. Or yeah. I, I, I let yeah. them get to that point. But yeah. in all reality, in on the inside, I'm like, man, I'm going to take a little credit for that, that they just about beat me because, yeah. you know, yeah. I've been encouraging them. And, you know, the day that um, somebody I used to stomp on submits me or passes my guard, yeah. um, I'm I'm so happy and excited, but yeah. also like dang it, I'm never letting them do that again, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, I'm never going to underestimate them. But when, you know, they make me turn up my level. Yeah. Um, and it's it's the most amazing feeling um, when this person who you used to just have to kind of take it easy on, yeah. you know, is just destroying you. Yeah. I, you I actually had that happen this morning. Oh. <laughs> one of my one of my white belts, he's, he'll be a blue belt soon, uh, this, this guy, Leo. Um, at the end of the round, I was like, hey, man, I like what you did in the beginning with that step over. He literally walked past my guard. Oh. We shook hands and I'm like, oh, sh you know what I mean? I, was yeah. like, I had to recover like, right yeah. away. And then yeah. I was like, okay, I got to I gotta put it on him a little bit just so we, just yeah. so we understand each other again. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and, and I've I've been on the other end of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been rolling with, you know, I, I remember I rolled with you one time and I was like, what the fuck? Like you, you just like kicked my ass really hard. And I was like, so all the other times you were lying to me, <laughs> you know, and um, I always say to my students that. That is the biggest sign of respect mm -hmm. when an upper belt or somebody you've been training with forever turns it up on you I had and to. just whoops you. Yeah, I had to. You know, um, <clears throat> that is I uh, Dave Blau. You know, he's he's massive. He's like three of me. Yeah. Um, and he right after I got my black belt, he showed up with donuts and and then like rolled with me so hard that day. Awesome. Um, you know, and I. I thanked him for it because that's him showing me respect. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's showing that I no longer view you as somebody that I can take it easy on anymore. Right. You know, you've gotten to the point where I have to turn it up on yeah. you. Yeah, we you have know? no choice. Yeah. So I love that feeling. Yeah, no, and and it, it is. We, we, we definitely have a lot of respect for you. Um, you know, not, I mean, forget about the belts and all that other stuff. Just the fact, how much, how much shit you've been through yeah. in the past 10 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but oh, I don't mind. Yeah, but, but when you were when you got your black belt, so I'm sure all academies do this, but Nava allows us some time, you know, to to, to express, you know, our our gratitude towards you know towards a class and give a little speech. But you were talking about so many things were you had so many reasons to quit. Yeah, and you decided not to. So talk about that. What what was it about the jujitsu or the whoever that was holding you together when all those things were going bad and talk about a little couple of things that went bad. Um, so I moved here and I was like in, you know, the worst relationship known to man. Um, yeah, he was an asshole. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, and whenever you hear a woman say like, you know, and you look at her and she's in an abusive relationship and you say like, why didn't you just leave? You know? And I, I would be that person that would say that. And let me tell you, you can't, it's hard. It doesn't work that way. You know, way. um, but then I did. And um I was I I had to realize that like I had to remove myself and have no place to live. You know, um, and so my son and I were we had my car and our stuff 
and my dog and my cats and like all this stuff. Plural? Yeah, cats. Plural? cats awesome. Uh, <laughs> um, I still have one of them. Um, and the other one passed away. But um, we were living on this girl's couch. And, um, you know, I just, you know, divine intervention, this, this woman... Um, I was tattooing her son and she was like, man, I really wish you needed a place to rent because I have this beautiful house that has an art room um, on in this loft area. And she ended up renting me this house. Um, but before that, and I mean, I had no credit. I had no money. She didn't make me put a deposit down, nothing. She didn't do a credit check, anything. She just has said rent is this much and it was so much. But I was like, I'm going to do whatever I can to keep this house, right? Mm -hmm. But before that, I was living on couches. Yeah. You know, um, I stayed at a friend's house. I stayed at several friends' houses. Um, did, you ever, did you ever have to, did you ever have to spend the night in your car? Um, I did sleep in my car. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. we stayed at a hotel one night. Okay. Um, yeah, but we slept in my car. I had a, um, you just fold the back seats down, you know? Okay. And yeah, okay. it was like a yeah. bed. My son was like, I love this. We're I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so old. This is horrible. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, but, uh, I, you know, I just kept going to the gym to the 10 a.m. class, um, I didn't know what else to do. My mind was, um, I was losing control of my mind. Mm. And I just thought, you know, I, I went through a horrible divorce in Nebraska. It was, you know, really toxic for about five years. Um, I, you know, he just w relentlessly made my life hell. And, you know, I came out of the frying pan right into the fire. And I was like, ugh, again, like, well, I'm yeah. why do I keep making these decisions? And, um... So the only thing that made me forget what I was doing was the hour and a half that I was on the mats. You know, my son and I would go to jujitsu. He would sit there. And um, for that whole time, I didn't have to think about my problems. And I would leave. You know, you get that endorphin release when you work out really hard and you 100%. get your butt kicked. And yeah. I was a little white belt. And, you know, it, it really motivates you to keep going. Um, and, you know, ha having a past of drug use, I could have easily gone into drinking or yeah. you know because you i i love to be self-destructive um and so jujitsu is to me a form of self-destruct you know in a way you know you're going yeah, you're yeah. torturing your body and um paul showed up one day and he gave me my blue belt at the 10 a.m and i remember you know i told him what had happened and he was like oh, just keep training he was like you can talk about it if you want to after class but while you're here don't think about anything but jujitsu. And wow. so I was like, okay, I will, yeah. you know, and then I did. And then my life started, I got that house, you know, I, I started picking up my business. I started devoting, but it was because I had a healthy outlet yeah, that kept encouraging me to keep going, you know, and, um, my problems, you know, they, you have all these problems in life, but when you're under somebody who's like 200 pounds and they're putting side control <laughs> pressure on you. You can't think about your life. You're yeah. like, oh, I just want to get away, you know? And yeah. um, it, it makes, when you fight out of those positions, you're like, well, I can fight out of these life positions. And you end up paralleling jujitsu to your life, Yeah, you know? And the fight that you do in jujitsu is a fight that you do in your life, you yeah. know? And um, Paul ended up, um, when I was a blue belt, he ended up having his heart attack. Yeah. Um, and I was rising my life up at that point, you know, and I, I felt like I was doing really good. And, um, it was right before the Copa Bella all female tournament yeah. and all us girls got together and we're like, we have to win this for Paul. And he actually ended up showing up wow. and that was the first thing he had done since his heart attack. And we were like, Oh, like I was too scared to hug him, yeah. you know? And, um, <clears throat> we were like, we got a win for Paul and I actually got my first gold medal, but I, it, it was in the open, 
But um, I lost my division. Then I was like so mad. I went to the open and I, I won that. But all of us did so good at that tournament. Um, and we, we just killed it and we did it for Paul. Yeah. And that's when I was like, I have to show him that, you know, um, he saw something in me that I didn't even see. Mm -hmm. And he kept believing same in that, that version yeah. of, yeah. Yeah. Same thing. And yeah. that's a gift that somebody has, you know, and he has that gift. Um, yeah. he doesn't lie to you. <clears throat> Paul never tells you something. If you're doing something wrong, he'll tell you. If you're doing something right, he'll tell you, but like after a while, you know, yeah. and, and when you get a compliment, you earn that compliment. Yeah. And he believed in me from day one. And I was like, man, I never lived up to that version of me that he saw. So I have to do that, you oh, know? Wow. And, yeah. you know, <clears throat> Copa Bella, we all did it for him. And then I was like, I just can't stop. And yeah. so I just kept doing it, you know? And um, I, I had to go through so much like, mental uh trauma and you know i i had to hold it all in and you know they say never hold your feelings in um that's why you have jujitsu because yeah. you don't have to yeah you know you can um take out everything in jujitsu and um you can learn how to manage your feelings better um you know like i said the the woman who gets her hair ripped out for the first time and runs to the bathroom crying you know um, you work on not allowing that to affect you, mm -hmm. you know, and then out in real life, you work on not letting things that have happened to you affect you anymore. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, um, <clears throat> to me, it's, it's one of the best sports you can do. And I'm, you know, I'm 40, you know, you're 75, 80. so <laughs> not a day over 85. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, it just shows you that like, um, at any point in your life, um, you have the ability to fight for yourself and, um, there's no excuse. Yeah. You know? And one, one thing I want to point out when we go, we got to rewind just a little bit. When we say, you know, when we talk about Paul and the, and the effect that he has on people and, and how much he means to us yeah. individually, um, there are so many people that have, that have come and gone through those doors and we always, you know, we give Paul all the credit, obviously, <laughs> but without Leslie, yeah. I don't, I don't know that Paul is Paul without Leslie. Yeah. And, and what is, what does the relationship with, with Leslie mean to you? So Leslie, um, when I first met her, we always joke about this because she's like my best friend now. Um, but she wanted a tattoo for me. And so she's like, Oh, let's meet at a coffee shop. And we're all sitting there like all proper. And I'm this train wreck of a person trying to hold back the train wreck. Right. And she was doing the same thing. And we were both like all like sitting proper with our legs crossed. I had my little notepad. I was asking her questions, drinking coffee. And, oh, my gosh. That's oh, funny. my God. And and now we're like the most ridiculous people in public. Like we have all these inside jokes with each other. She said she went to this like retreat on the East Coast and she was saying all these things that like her and I die laughing. And like she said, it was like crickets. And no one was laughing. Um, but yeah. she she's my, you know, she's my best friend. And um there was a moment where, um, you know, and I, when you tattoo somebody, that's when I really get to know somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I tattooed her a lot. And um, I, I heard her story and all the things that she had gone through. Yeah. You know, and she has, you know, this rare condition that affects her whole body and her children have it, you know. And yeah. um, she has so much that she is fighting against and is not letting it stop her. Yeah. So she... Um, called me one day and was like, I want to take you, I want to meet you for coffee. And I didn't have a dollar to my name. Wow. You know, um, I was, you know, like unplugging the refrigerator. So I didn't run out of power sometimes, you wow. know? Um, and, uh, 
I I was like, oh, I don't want to go. You know, I don't like going places and like not having the money to pay for it or whatever. And she was like, just meet me at this coffee shop. So I went there and I was like, oh, I don't want to go talk about my feelings. This is dumb, you know. <laughs> and we just start talking and we're laughing like we're <clears throat> our normal selves. Yeah. And she just like, it's almost like she took the table and like wiped everything off. And was like, listen to me. Let me tell you that, you know, I'm going to tell you about me and when I was feeling hopeless and, um, you know, I heard her story and her, all the things that she was going against that she couldn't help, you know, nothing that she was fighting was her own fault. Yeah. Everything was out of her control. Yeah. And she goes, and I remember thinking I had a pinky finger hanging on the edge of this cliff and I realized that at least I still have a pinky finger. I haven't quite let go. And that was enough to pull me up. You know, and, and she's like, and you have to fight for yourself because I was at the point where, you know, I wasn't suicidal or anything like that, but man, I wanted to give up, you know, uh, I, I just, it was so hard to try and keep fighting and keep being the strong person for my son. And, and we all have this, um, I feel like all of us have this, um, uh, like latch in our bodies that you pull and you just escape yeah, and you give up everything and everything crashes and burns, but you feel like, well, you know, it's better than continuing to suffer. I'm just going to bail on my life and quit, you know? And I had already done that before. I already knew how hard it was to do that. Um, It's easy to do it. It's a, it's like a drug. It's temporary release. Yeah. Um, And then to recover from that is so hard. So I was like, I can't quite quit, but I don't know what to do. I'm in this limbo of like, I don't want to fight anymore. Yeah. Um, and she told me that. And I was sitting here feeling like I had egg on my face because I'm like, oh, I did all these things to myself, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I, I didn't choose to be in a terrible relationship. I didn't choose to put, you know, to, to have that outcome. But I did, you know, I did choose to go against my gut instincts with this person and, and, and do things that, I was taking big chances on that had, you know, a chance of a big failure. Yeah. And I knew the risk I was taking when I did them. Yeah. Um, she didn't have those choices. And so, you know, I was sitting there listening to this thinking like, I feel like such an idiot. Like if she can do it and she has all these things going against her, what is my excuse for not winning right, right. now? What is yeah. my excuse for not trying? Yeah. And I mean, after that, <clears throat> I was like, I have to focus on my career and making money. I did so good in Nebraska. I knew how to run my business. I'm really good at doing that. You know, I know there's a million other artists that are better than me, but I know how to run my business really yeah. well. I know how yep. to get clientele. And I was like, just fucking do it. So I did. I love it. Yeah. After her, I was like, no more excuses. And I literally didn't turn back from that moment. That's great. Yeah. You know, you know, one thing I noticed about your whole story, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm looking at my phone cause I set an alarm yesterday <laughs> oh. and it's going up. And if I, if I acknowledge it, <laughs> then I might I might screw things up. Oh, no, so you're I'm, fine. I'm gonna be swiping at the phone. You're fine. Um, but what I notice is like, um, yes, you you did take some big chances, but they were all in the right direction. And what I also noticed just hearing your story is every time you put yourself in a situation where like, okay, let's see what happens, right? Getting off of drugs, you know, moving, you know, doing all these things, you know, uh, focusing on your business, raising your, you know, deciding to be a single mom, and you know, doing all these things. There's just something out there that's putting the right people in your path every step of the way. Yeah. So, and, and the reason I say that is because there's somebody out there that is 
that is in your shoes 10 years ago or five, six years ago, whatever it was. And they're so afraid to take that first step because yeah. the unknown is freaking scary. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my, I guess my message and, and the message I'm getting from you is if you take that step, you can make it happen. Yeah. And I think a lot of people <clears throat> wait for the right people to come into their lives mm. and they wait for the right moment. Um, and you're going to be waiting a long time. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to be your own hero. Um, but if you just start moving forward in a direction um, with this hardcore intention of of making it um, and and you can't have your eyes so like tightly set on on an end result because you will be met with so much disappointment if you if that end result can't be moved. Right. Yeah. You have to be able to um, have a, a loose end result. Like I just want to start jujitsu. Yeah. Um, you can't say I'm going to get my black belt in this amount of time, but I've never walked <laughs> through the doors yet. Right. Yeah. Um, because you'll disappoint yourself in five years when you haven't even walked in the doors yet. Yeah. Um, and so, but you know, those moments are never going to come until you make them happen. Yeah. You know, and if you're waiting for the right motivation to do it, it's not going to come. You have to create the habit and the mindset and you have to drive forward with habit and mindset and your goals and the people will fall into place for you. Yeah, 100%. You know, I did it as an experiment with my life and I'm living proof. When I was standing up there getting my black belt, I realized like this whole thing was an experiment to see if I could do it. And I did it, Yeah. you know, and I did it with this relentless intention that, well, what do I have to lose if I don't try? If I, yeah. if I try, what do I have to lose? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and you know, when you, when you look at, when you look at men getting black belts, <clears throat> it's a big achievement. Don't get yeah. me wrong. It's a big achievement because we have our head trash as well. And it's, yeah. it's pretty bad. My demons visit me at two 30 in the morning. They're really nice that way. <laughs> yeah. And they don't let me go back to sleep. Yeah. <clears throat> Same. But, um, but, um, but if you look at the pool of, of black belts on that wall, there was what, 24 of us. Yeah. And there were two women. Yeah. That's a really small percentage. And for you to accomplish all of that with all of this adversity that you had from, from a very young age, I mean, you're a, to me, you're a kid still. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. But um, I'm 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 super impressed. I'm super proud of you. I've told you this a hundred times, but I'm super uh, proud of you. Well, thank you, and you've been a huge inspiration to me. And you've always come over and said these one-liners to me. It's like you know what I need to hear, and I take them to heart and I listen to them because you've been this huge motivation to me. And you were the first person I thought of when I was a blue belt thinking like, could I be Paul's first female black belt? And I was like, well, Alex like blasted through all his belts and did it. And how did you do it? You tried hard every day. Every day. You competed day. as much as you could, <clears throat> you know, and you tried hard every day. Yeah. And I was like, so that's all I have to do. I set one goal that I never achieved. What's every that? belt, white belt. I'm going to be the best white belt on the mat. Nope. Thanks a lot, Brennan. <laughs> blue belt. I'm gonna be the best blue belt on the mat. Nope. There was like seven or eight better than me. Purple belt. I'm gonna be the best. You know, best brown belt. Like that was my goal. Every single time I tied a belt on, I'm gonna be the best one on the mat. Yeah. And I tried every single day. That was my goal. That was the outcome that I wanted. And you know what? I became pretty good. Yeah. Not great, but I'm pretty good. You know what I mean? I wasn't the best on the mat, but I. Um. But when you have that mindset, like you said, and you have that drive. What can stop you? I yeah. mean, you're going to be the best version of yourself, period. And 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 let me tell you something. You can't do anybody else. You can only do you. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I mean, if you, you're doing you perfectly right now. Oh, yeah. Right? But there's also a better version that you're working towards. And yeah. you're, you're a perfect example of that. Yeah. And I think not ever um, 
getting to the point where you're like, well, I'm the best I am right now and I don't have to try anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's, <laughs> I mean, that's something that if you, when I talk about paralleling your life to jujitsu, um, you don't ever get to the point in jujitsu where you're like, well, I got my black belt. I'm the best, <laughs> you know, no, now you're at the bottom, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and you you're, continue to improve Yeah. in tiny little increments. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, uh, when I, when, when people ask me about what it's like to get a black belt, it's like, um, it's kind of like day one as a white belt. You're walking on the mat, like, okay, here we go. You know, yeah. you put the black belt on, you start walking towards a, towards a padded wall going, no one's stopping me. <laughs> yeah. Stand yeah. Over here with these guys. <laughs> yeah, no one's found out that I'm a fake. Yeah. Oh God. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But listen, um, tell people how they can find you. Uh, tell people how they can get in touch with you. If they want tattoos, if they want advice, if they want to do jujitsu, if they want to reach out and just have somebody to, to bounce something off of, how can we find you? Um, the best place to find me is Instagram. It's, um, all one, all one word, all lowercase, Amber Star Tattoo, um, just A-M-B-E-R-S-T-A-R and then tattoo. Um, and I have my, um, I have a, a work line on there that's for appointments only. Um, and it's on my Instagram. If you go, that's the very top. Um, I do need to change my Instagram. It still says I'm a brown belt. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, and that's primarily the best way to reach me. Um, if it if it's concerning tattoos, I only open my books um, every now and then, yeah. so you won't get a response right away. Yeah. Um, if it's jujitsu related, um, you know, just start because I usually get to see the first line of what people are saying. Um, so just put jujitsu related at the yeah, top, you know, cool. and I, so I'll respond faster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, even if, you know, anybody has any questions about jujitsu or wants to come to a class, um, or talk to me about their troubles, I'm, I'm a great ear. And if you really want to, you know, uh, pick my brain, you can come get a tattoo for me and there you'll you get go. me for a few hours. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. yeah. And, and I can vouch guys, uh, Amber's a great coach. She's been doing this a long time and, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by how far she's come in such a short period of time. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, a very short period of time. But before you go, yeah. we have the lightning round of questions. Okay. There are no wrong – well, there's one wrong answer, but that's just my opinion. Okay. All right. So um, I'm going to ask you a few questions and just fire away as fast as you can, all right? Okay. Uh, name a game show you think you could actually win. Wheel of Fortune. Uh, what's your favorite cheat meal? Uh, firehouse subs. Okay. <laughs> no. What's – <laughs> I think you made that shit up. <laughs> I couldn't think fast enough. I don't work well under pressure. Oh my gosh. What's the longest you've gone without brushing your teeth? Um, two days. Uh wait, uh three days. Nice. Uh what's your go to karaoke song? Um Anima by Tool. Ooh, nice. <laughs> what's a stupid song you secretly like? Um uh Britney Spears. Um I can't think of the name of it. Ooh. How does it go? You it's on her it, black sing, album. You got to sing where it. she shaved her head. I can't. I can't even think of how it goes right now. Uh, uh, piece of me. Piece of you. Oh, okay. Something right, like that. All right. Um, let's see. Do you sleep in or take naps? Um, I neither. Okay. PlayStation or Xbox? Neither. DC or Marvel? Uh, Marvel. Okay. This is a number two question. Okay. Use a public restroom. Restroom or hold it. Um. Use a public restroom. I have no shame. <laughs> <laughs> so real quick, uh, back uh, when I got COVID, yeah, two years ago, whatever it was, um, I lost all my sense of smell, uh. all of it. So I could use like the nastiest uh, <laughs> like bathroom great. just anywhere and yeah. be like, I, I would clean the place a little bit and <laughs> smell yeah. like anything. Anyway, great. sorry, that's an awful yeah. thing to say. Um, but um, would you rather um, go into the future or back in time? 
Into the future. Uh, Rolling Stones or Elvis? Uh, Rolling Stones. Okay. What's your favorite childhood TV show? Uh, I, I really loved Briscoe County Jr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that one. Yes, had, I do. Uh, um, was that? Bruce Campbell played yeah, in it. It was yeah, a really yeah. weird show. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was one of my favorites. Awesome. Faves. That's, uh, that's a first. That's yeah. a first. Uh, somebody uh, once said A-Team. I was like, oh, shit, I forgot yeah. about the A-Team. Yeah. That was or awesome. Or Kung Fu. I really Kung loved Fu. that. Oh, so man. Yeah. yeah, David Carradine. That was oh, so. <laughs> so good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, if you like the podcast, if you got something out of it, please like and subscribe. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Um, I have a webpage that I put no time into, so don't go to that. <laughs> and uh, Amber, I'm so I'm so glad we did this, man. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thanks. Great.